0: We'll Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas, and look who's back, Mr. Martin Willis.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, dude? I'm well. Yeah, just, just made it by the skin of my teeth, but I'm here.
0: Yo, everybody. Talking to the people who are joining live, uh, saying hello. Uh, definitely get your questions in there. Uh, as we move along, but yeah, it's been a while. You've been off traipsing around having a good time. I I can't blame you because I know you're always complaining about the weather out there, but, uh, this is the time of the year where it's uh, really gorgeous out there, huh?
1: Oh, it's, it's the best. If you're ever going to come to Maine, this is the time of year you want to come July, July, August. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous weather. Just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, I'm right, right along the coast and it's just, so terrific mm-hmm. and it's kind of yeah. crowded with people you know i mean a little 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 too oh, crowded if you ask visit- me what's that
0: with uh visitors
1: yeah tourists yeah, yeah.
0: well you know um because it's been like that out here it's starting to slow down i'm i'm at the open mind headquarters right now uh in Intonitas california but uh <laughs> It started to slow down, luckily. And August is when Europeans like take nearly the whole month off. So yeah, I think right, that's, that's right too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So kind of funny, but it's good to see it. Good to have you back. Were you yeah. having fun? What you were on the boat last week? Yeah, I don't remember what you were doing a couple of weeks ago. So I don't fun? remember
1: much beyond last week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your
1: memory has been faulty. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but so, all good. Yeah.
0: Let's get into the news of uh, the week. So a lot of stuff going on. I'll get into some of the stories and what I've been up to. But one of the big stories today, I don't know if you saw this, Lou Elizondo, who ran the uh, Government Pentagon program, uh, joined Twitter. (laughs) Oh,
1: my goodness.
0: (laughs) That's a big step for him, right? Yeah, it is. So that's kind of funny. In fact, maybe I'll bring up the page. Let's I'll have see, to I'll bring that up yep. here, but um, that's kind of fun to, to see him out there. I don't know though, if I would totally recommend it. What do you think? I mean, um, it gets pretty crazy out there. Now I think you spend a lot more time. I'm going to bring it up here so people can share, see his Twitter here, what he's up to right, right now, but you spend more time. I think he got fake than you Twitter, huh?
1: Um, yeah I, I don't use I don't use Twitter too much I'm not using Facebook right now actually too much at all so but really um, yeah yeah just because of all the n- negativity really
0: so you're taking a break from the negativity I am yeah yeah I don't blame I, you.
1: I'll follow I'll
0: follow Lou hmm so here he is you could see I hit she's just at Louie, Lou Elizondo which is pretty cool um, he's only got a couple of posts here just saying, you know, hey, we're all in this together. And uh, I might not be able to respond to everybody, but I will read what you guys post. And oh my gosh, I don't and look at this 235 responses to his first 96 to his second. There's no way he's going to be able to read all that. And uh, I don't blame him if he doesn't.
1: Yeah, pretty funny. He said the wrong thing right off the <laughs> <Yeah>, bat <back. laughs> i know i'm gonna read all your responses yeah
0: right i uh, don't do that lou you have more important stuff to do than read all those responses and like you said a lot gets pretty uh there's a lot of negativity
1: out there unfortunately yeah mm-hmm. but you know um you you start announcing um i i had a friend in california i'm trying to remember the comedian has a huge amount of followers and he just mentioned his name. Follow him on Twitter like that. He said it just like this. Some guy um, was from Saturday Night Live years ago. And all of a sudden, this guy's Twitter gained like 60,000 people in two weeks. So, wow. It's going to happen because you're announcing it on this show, too. Lou's going to. I know. Gonna so, happy. that's what's going to happen with Lou. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, speaking
0: of Twitter, uh, here's something else. I'm going to share this again because this is another piece of news. And actually, it came up. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, my uh, it came up in a couple of interviews, and I'll talk about that uh, real soon here. But let's take a look at this one, which is, here's George Knapp tweeted just a couple days ago, the 19th. Was that yesterday, day before yesterday?
1: Days, just when no, you yeah.
0: think the Pentagon public affairs and FOIA offices may have entered a new era of truth-telling and transparency They circle back around to take another cheap shot at Lou and ATIP, watch. Um, He goes on to say, sorry, I don't have details, heard from a DC contact that some sort of statement is coming from DOD, don't know from whom, oldies but goodies about how ATIP wasn't a UFO program and Elizondo wasn't part of it. Um, He continues to say, okay, it won't be a statement, DOD sent a detailed response to a FOIA request, I'm deferring to the person who submitted the request to share it. And it appears that that person was uh, um, Nick Pope. And I'll look in here in just a second. But here's what I posted. I posted my article, which I covered last week. And we can talk about this too if you want, Martin. But essentially my article about how the Pentagon can't keep their story straight on UFOs and UAPs, where I kind of went through the whole history on three main topics. Uh, Those topics being whether or not A.T.I.P. had anything to do with U.F.O.s, whether or not Elizondo was part of A.T.I.P., and then finally whether or not A.T.I.P. Uh, continued the Pentagon project continued, because many have uh, speculated. I would say that this U.A.P. task force that the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee has been referring to, and that the D.O.D. just announced uh, formally uh, exists, uh, many have speculated that A.T.I.P. continued, and that's what this U.A.P. task force is. We don't have confirmation of that and I'll get into that a little more uh, later. But Nick Pope said, cause he must be that person. Hmm. Um, He said, there may be a FOIA request but there will be a DOD statement too. They've been working on it for months, mainly in response to my question on the Drake equation and Lieutenant uh, Tim McMillan's Popular Mechanics article. Some more details background here, and he's got a link here. So what the heck is going on? Um, I mean, if you read my article about all of this, uh, I think that uh, it's strange because their denials uh, that Lou uh, had um, anything to do with uh, ATIP seem right from the get-go pretty silly. Um, you know, I've been reporting on this for quite a while, and of course, we've got everybody involved with the program that we know of, including, uh, you know, uh, Chris Mellon. Uh, he wasn't directly involved with the program, but he was working with uh, ATIP prior to uh, Luis Elizondo leaving. Um, also, we have Harry Reid, who's confirmed that. Uh, Harry Reid also, he didn't leak this document. George Knapp leaked the document showing uh, essentially a bigoted list for uh, what they wanted to become an SAP, a, a, a special access program. They wanted ATIP to get that status in that bigoted list. And the bigoted list essentially means these are the need to know guys. These are the people who, who will be cleared for this program. And Luis Elizondo and Hal Putoff uh, are on that list. Why is Dr. Hal Putoff important? Because Dr. Hal Putoff. Was a uh, someone who worked on ATIP as a contractor who also has confirmed. In fact, he confirmed to me directly, and I put that in my story that yes, I reported to Lou Elizondo when I worked on ATIP. I also asked uh, Eric Davis, another contractor on that pro- program, who also confirmed that. So we have everybody confirming, and it's obvious he's not Lou's on television. He's working with the Navy. Uh, we know that Lou worked for ATIP. So why is the Navy or the DOD constantly or occasionally slipping
1: in there? Oh, Lou didn't work for ATIP. It's really weird. Yeah, it is strange. And you know, I had, I had this, uh, I had a guest, John, John Michael Greer. And a lot of what uh, last week, a lot of what he said was not too popular with my listeners. But uh, one thing he he did said, if if the military is involved, the government's involved, don't trust it. <laughs> he was basically that was his, you know, thing that he he brought up many times, and uh, it it is funny. And now I, you know, I know they're they're trying to push the fact that hey, look, uh, this isn't about you know off planet. This is about uh, foreign adversaries, and you know that's what we're really looking for and all that. So that you know, there's a lot of uh, there is a lot of turns and steering. So I don't know exactly what's going on.
0: Yeah, it, it's really. Uh, I my best guess is that I really think that it's kind of the Snowden treatment in a way, in that we're not letting him go type of thing. Even though uh, many people argue, and many different uh, international organizations have asked for amnesty for Snowden, uh, he certainly, you know, because of what he did, there was uh, a lot of revelations that are probably. Uh, that many feel are justified, you know. That uh, uh, the there were governments toppled from dictators doing bad things from some of the stuff that Snowden had released. So, uh, but the the government's like, no, we can't, uh, you know, let people think that it's okay to do this. And I that's my guess is what's going on here. Uh, that they feel that they can't permit, you know, Lou while he was working on ATIP was told, no, you can't take this information higher to higher levels. So he left to get that information to the higher levels. So he essentially did an end run around his superiors. And it seems like they're upset about that and they're going to make an example and they're not going to let him get away with it. But the manner in which they're doing it is really undermining their own credibility. Um, I
1: don't think they're worried about that. (laughs) you know you're right
0: and that's what's surprising it doesn't seem like they care a lick about that
1: yeah and you know you think about it the popularity of unidentified i mean it's a great season and the popularity is widespread and i'm sure there's you know people within the government that are watching it and uh uh so maybe that's what's uh you know inducing their forever to go after this, you know, to, to make it like this. They don't want the attention.
0: You know, I don't think, I think you're right on that sense, but I think they also are not happy uh, with bureaucratic meddling. Uh, You know, uh, when Chris Mellon had suggested that uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee require the uh, military intelligence to look into UAPs and to write a report on that and uh, to have a central location where this information is brought together chris mellon recommended he said most a lot of this information is going to be classified uh this this report would probably have to be classified that's already kind of like what you're making us make this report you know uh and plus they're kind of were caught off guard in that you know the senate certainly feels like you know why weren't you giving us information we need information but now that the senate intelligence committee has said we want a public facing portion of this, you know, that is a lot of work. Uh, It's going to bring scrutiny upon them that I'm sure they don't want. So they're probably really upset that, you know, look what this, this is not resulted in something we want. We can handle this without people nagging us about it or, or all of this. So um, they're probably just not happy about all of the, what's going on, even though those of us are really happy about it yeah um that which brings up to another point actually but did you have any comments on that before i went on
1: no no you you're you're right you know all this attention has uh you know moved things forward and and uh to more scrutiny for sure yeah
0: oh, here's my
1: my dog's visiting to our dog and he's looking at me like
0: hey what are you doing but uh the other thing is at uh, this is kind of interesting uh oh man i thought i lost my train of thought uh, Uh, along those lines but essentially uh we'll get more into it but uh
1: don't you hate when that happens man
0: i know and it was something good so okay i'm going to share my screen just to show a couple other things uh related to this and it's still this conversation so uh, i still may think of it but uh here's the open minds website of course People can go there. It's new and improved. It doesn't look like any flashier than it used to, but it's more organized. I've got this trending, I've got lots of great stories. It's running super quick, and I'm paying lots of money to make sure that it (laughs) runs quickly. Uh, But you know, it's an important site, I feel like. So I'm happy to provide this service for everyone, uh, keeping open minds alive. But uh, oh, there's two things that actually should be on here, but uh, I am having troubles with one of them. (laughs) The first is that I interviewed Lou Elizondo this week. um, And uh, some of these topics came up and this was prior to George Knapp posting that or tweeting that uh, information. Uh, I also interviewed Adam Kehoe. um, And in fact, I'm gonna bring up his website um, because it's got really good stuff on there. Have you seen Adam Kehoe stuff?
1: I have not, no.
0: So let me show you him real quick here. So he has a PhD in, um, I think it's uh, information technology. Uh, Let me get his little bio here real quick uh, so I can let people know accurately what he does instead of just making stuff up.
1: (laughs) And not to be confused with Donald Kehoe. He's no relation, spelled differently.
0: Exactly. That's a really good point because I kept misspelling his name like Donald Kehoe and he had to say, Hey, I'm a wrong name. I wish I was related to him, but I'm not. So that was kind of funny. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, here's some information about him. If you are, uh, if you're a subscriber on YouTube, you can go watch this interview right now. Otherwise, uh, I did, uh, Fix the audio because it was a little messed up at first and I'm trying to upload that to patreon for my patreon people So you'll get that soon although patreon people can watch the original with the, the lower sound but Adam Kehoe is a PhD in Information science and he's interested in AI data science and defense policy issues The latter being the most important here in that his blog here, which I'm going to share with everybody uh, covers uh, just that. It covers um, policy issues around UAP. And I think that's really important. I think uh, it's important in order to kind of uh, cover what's going on right now a little bit more sophisticated, in a more sophisticated manner. Um, so you could see here, he's got, you know, uh, this story is, what if Christopher, Christopher Mellon succeeds? We'll talk about that. UAPs are not all one thing, um, you know, what happens when it passes the Senate, uh, checkmate or gambit, you know, Mellon and the UAP report, uh, this is a really important one, I think, uh, how will the Air Force fare under the gaze of the Senate, uh, so a lot of really important stuff, uh, Well, wow. really, really good articles, if you haven't read those, you really need to check those out.
1: Yeah, I, have, I was unaware of Adam. And now, with all that, it looks like I should not be unaware of him.
0: You should not, my friend. So, yeah, so we discussed some of these issues. And uh, essentially, uh, let's start with Lou. So with Lou, I asked him, um, I kind of quizzed him about this, about my article. You know, they've been really changing their stories. Why? Uh, How does this affect you? Uh, When I asked why, he's very gracious, and he's like, I don't know why. Uh, you would have to ask them, essentially. Uh, I just know what the truth is that we I've been able to verify. Um, but I kind of pressed him and I said, well, what if they continue to do this? Because this seems to have some personal ramifications to you. And he agreed. He was like, yes, this has been uh, damaging to me and my reputation. And I certainly don't appreciate it. And uh, he essentially, after being pressed, said he's considering further uh you know, taking steps. Um, And he kind of inferred that, first of all, he has a lot of material he hasn't released, which confirms uh, his position. Uh, He has, uh, I think this is largely or partially in the form of probably documents, but also correspondence uh, with colleagues. And he hasn't wanted to release any of that because he hasn't wanted to, uh, you know, reveal anybody who's been involved, who he's worked with in the past. Um, sort of thing, but uh, he's kind of getting pressed at this point to release what he has to kind of finally put all this to bed. but he didn't he said he has not ruled out and he could even take legal steps you know uh, to to solve this issue. So I think that's kind of interesting that uh, you know he's willing to go as far as he needs to, um, although he's been taking this you know these punches on the chin, Uh, it, he, he's not willing to do that forever. If they keep, keep up with this sort of thing.
1: Wow. Um, so you, you just, it's basically it's, it's hurting his reputation and, and he wants to cease that. And, and so he can move forward that is that basically most, yeah,
0: that reputation and also
1: relationships uh you
0: know it hurts his relationships with uh his former colleagues uh and different government you know people in the government um Mm -hmm. and so yeah and and his credibility so uh certainly Mm -hmm. you know you have these articles that call into question whether he was part of atip and which is kind of silly because it doesn't take a whole lot of research to find that he was but uh unfortunately not everyone in the media wants to do that research.
1: Yeah. It's kind of also a little bit silly because how could he know everything that he's, you know, displayed that he's known if he wasn't part of that. Right. You know I mean? It can mm-hmm. be from a buddy in, uh, or someone, you know, you're not supposed to talk about something like that. Of course, if you're in a program like that, you mm-hmm. wouldn't share it with a friend.
0: I mean, and even, you know, uh, The pilots, or Kevin Day, you know, the radar operator on Nimitz, they've all confirmed that they talked to Lou, you know, during those A tip years. So, oh yeah, right,
1: that's right, yeah,
0: really, really wild. Um, So we'll see what happens with all of this.
1: Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Was it? Was it? um, I I know you mentioned that he didn't want you to give much of an advance. I got a, a notice in the email too late the interview so he didn't even want uh posting out there ahead of time too long too long ahead yeah
0: you know um there are how can i put it without as you know um getting these interviews are difficult uh with some of these people and even more so now so i've been very fortunate to have my first interview with chris mellon i want another one you had one way back in the day uh, you are lucky to get that. So, uh, And with Lou, it was kind of a, a little bit under the radar. We were flying under the radar a bit. So uh, in order to um, not upset anybody who, who might have not wanted him to do an interview uh, without, you know, that's why he kind of like, was like, we can't make a bunch of waves that you're going to do this interview. Let's do it. And then you can get it out there. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where it's easier to ask forgiveness and permission.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny when you're asking for these certain people through their publicists, the common response is uh, they're traveling they're going to be traveling for quite a while. So I wrote back the publicists, um, you know, that may have worked before COVID, (laughs) <laughs> but, but not yeah. so much. Um, so I understand what you're saying. You know, I mean, that's basically their way of saying, yeah, uh, not right now. Go away. <laughs> yeah. And yeah.
0: you know, I, I'm lucky that Lou's willing to do that because he's, he's done that before with another interview. I think my last interview with him, uh, the same sort of thing where he had oh. to, you know, and it was the same situation where I kept telling my
1: audience next week, next week. Do next you remember week. what chaos that was? We both had the same thing. Yeah. Happened so and then well, it was you like, didn't no. even
0: have the promise for a while. I had the promise <laughs> for a while, and then finally, when he was able to do it, they he did both of us. So yeah. you got and then my there. entire. But I was really hanging on the
1: wire for a long time. Yeah, you were. And then when I finally had him, my entire studio screwed up. Everything, every really? bit of equipment. He couldn't hear me. I couldn't hear him, and it was a wow. it was a nightmare. It was. And then I came back down to my studio a few minutes after the interview and everything was working fine.
0: <laughs> well, and thank goodness Men for these black. new tools that we're using, huh? Oh yeah.
1: yeah I would have been so much easier. Yeah. So I want to say anyway, hi to everyone in the chat room. They're all saying hi and I, I don't have access yeah. to say hi back.
0: Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So luckily we got these interviews, but both of them were, where he, he was like, you know, Hey, let's do an interview. Oh, of course we can definitely do an interview. And little does he know for whatever reason, there are people involved and I won't really name names and cause it's not always a publicist, but, uh, people involved who don't want the interviews to happen. Right. And so yeah. he's got to kind of be sneaky with it or yeah. put down his foot a bit, which is pretty frustrating. I'm sure yeah. that's frustrating for him. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get more into the Elizondo interview and about the Kehoe interview cause there's some really important topics there I want to talk about. But like you said, we do have some people in the chat, and so I guess we should acknowledge them and say hello. Uh, hello, everybody. That's what's so fun about doing these live. But uh, one hey, of someone the people, noticed your haircut.
1: Yeah, someone noticed your glasses. Oh, yeah. my glasses, are they crooked still? I had no. them straightened. Okay. Yeah. I think they said, oh,
0: is that what it is? They were uh, For some reason, they were yeah. like,
1: oh, nice glasses. But
0: uh, yeah. yeah, somebody said something about my haircut. I did get a haircut um same here in the last last week yep yep martin's got one too looking good looking good
1: i had to go to arizona to get mine oh i know i went to a special a special place to get mine a very safe place but i don't have much to work with anyway so as -hmm. you can see let's see kehoe is spelled uh just to tell mark uh kehoe is spelled without a y adam kehoe correct yeah
0: so let's see some of the other questions you were saying something about not being happy which brings you to the next point oh about the oh the navy being happy oh (laughs) thank you so uh neo rabbit here said you were saying something about not being happy which brings you to the next point which reminds me of what i was going to talk about so thank Ah, you
1: it worked wow so so i'm going
0: to keep that up we'll get back to that topic but i do want to Acknowledge people. Hello from the guys in the UK. Looks like we have a few people from the UK. Uh, Quite a few. Uh, Thank you for noticing the haircut. Yes, we're talking about Elizondo. Uh, Someone said Luella Zonda. That's really cute. Uh, Has Kehoe risen? No, this is a different Kehoe. Uh, You guys look great. Yay, thanks. Oh, and Neo Rabbit's really happy they helped. You did help. Thank you so much. But yeah. Uh, Adam Kehoe is not related to Donald Kehoe. But this does remind me about people not being happy. This is what really uh, the uh, kind of the root of the issue and my argument has been for quite some time uh, when it comes to the military. uh, A lot of people want to be so black and white. You know, the government this, the government that. Um, you know, and the, you know, as many people, especially like Chris Mellon or any of the Lou Elizondo, any of these people who work with the government keeps saying is that there is, you know, everything so stovepipe. You have a lot of different, tons of different organizations you have when it comes to politicians, individuals, they have their own staff, uh, And the point is, you've got lots and lots and lots of individuals and groups of people and agencies and departments and branches, and they're all doing their own thing. They don't all talk together, nor do they all have the same opinions about things. And that's, I think, what we're seeing here with uh, these kind of a bit bit of attacks on Lou Elizondo, you know, calling him out or, you know, countering the things that he said Because this has been the case the whole time. And you can see this if you read uh, Colonel Ruppelt's book about Project Blue Book way back in the day. Uh, He wrote this back in like the 60s that there's been the military's never been on the same page with the UFO topic. There have been people who think there's nothing to it and a lot of people who think there's something to it. And there's been kind of this this struggle in the background and there has been no consensus. And then here we get to the modern day, we have organizations like the Navy uh, saying, yes, we do take this seriously, we're creating new uh, policies. But at the same time, there must be some people in the Navy that are uh, not happy with what's happening right now because they are saying you know at least according to george this upcoming statement is going to be from the navy surprisingly which is pretty weird Uh, then you have uh like adam kehoe called out in his article the air force which has been mysteriously silent we actually discussed this topic uh in my interview with him i mean they're the people who are in charge of the airspace and here's his thoughts which i think are interesting that it could be that one of the the roles this uh, request will serve is that we will see who will respond, who will at least make the effort to respond, and then they can see who are essentially the troublemakers. And uh, he's interested to see if the Air Force does not make the effort to make some sort of UAP response. Uh, you know how is that going to make them look? He thinks that's going to make them look really bad if they're the one group that's supposed to be in charge of this, has the official history of investigating this, and then they don't want to be involved, they want to kind of snub their nose at the Senate when the Senate asks for information, that could become an issue and that could make them look really bad. So just so much to look at with all of this.
1: You know, I, I may be totally wrong on this take, but I'm going to say it anyway. But Let's it see. almost seems to me that it's unprecedented that the that the government would make a statement about someone that's re, a retired civilian at this point. Um, I, I just have never heard of anything like that. Why would they? I mean, that's pretty unprecedented, isn't it? I mean, you I don't think know. about it. I mean, it, it's a strange situation that they would make a statement about a person. You know?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I don't follow the history of all of this sort of thing close enough to know. Um, so I guess you would have to look at, you know, I think Snowden might be an example or other whistleblowers. Oh, or yeah. I, yeah. Shared.
1: I mean, yeah. Snowden is kind of a. a- It was a big deal, a very big deal.
0: Yeah. And he was like, you know, the difference, like Elizondo likes to say he's not a whistleblower because whistleblowers are like Snowden. They're revealing classified information, and that's illegal to do that. That's why Snowden's in trouble. Uh, Lou didn't uh, reveal any information that was classified, but apparently it was information that they didn't want out and information that um, he was told not to take to certain levels, but he did Hmm. anyway. Hmm. So it, what he did wasn't illegal, but obviously some people are still not happy about it. I think Mark brings up a good quote, quote here from John Alexander, which I think is really important, is that the UFO community uh, the, kind of claims that the military is completely incompetent, except when it comes to covering up UFOs. Um, and John Alexander makes the argument that, no, they're uh, incompetent across the board. Uh, and of course, he's someone who spent a career in uh, the government and uh, was an inspector general in the army, which is a really important thing because an inspector general, these are the guys who are essentially the referees. They know all the rules and they're making sure everybody follows the rules. So you have to get a special education and you know it's hard, there's not many people that know all the rules and John does. And so John's point is that yeah, it's mainly uh, a dropping of the ball across the board. Which gets into some of the other conversations Adam and I had. And Adam makes a really good point that um, we have to remember that UAPs are more than just, you know, what we think they could be, what the UFO community may think it is, which is, you know, alien spacecraft. Uh, When they're looking at these UAPs, we're hearing a lot about drones and that upsets some people in the UFO community. But that's what the most important probably thing here is. The point is uh, that Mellon and others are making is that because of this UFO, this taboo around UFOs, you're ignoring unidentified reports of unidentified objects, you know, uh, in particular that uh, are flying in uh, sensitive airspace, um, including, and we hear the most about, this is where we have the most documentation, over nuclear uh, facilities. Um, you know. Uh, for instance, we have this report from Dean Johnson that came out, uh, Tim McMillan wrote about this, but the Colorado drone incursions, they don't know yeah. what those were. And Dean Johnson said he found something like 50 plus reports of drones incursions on nuclear uh, um, uh, power facilities in which uh, they've only re- resolved five of those. That's huge. That wow. is exposing a major uh, threat. Sure. And, and vulnerability. Uh, and vulnerability. So when you're talking about having a UAP task force, they're talking about drones so much because that's going to be a large percentage of what they're going to be doing, I think. I think we're going to hear drones, drones, drones from them a lot. We might not hear a lot about the actual unidentifieds. And that's the question, too, of what are they going to do with the actual unidentified? They may say, well, we have 5% of these cases. We don't know what it is. That's it. And the story, you know, Um, are they going to put up a group that's going to scientifically investigate those? Apparently, they've talked to NASA, or at least NASA has replied, we would only do it if it's scientific and it's completely transparent. So I think that's really interesting. Um, that's the way science should be. That'd be nice if that happens, kind of like a SETI type of thing. Um, but at the same time, they've got to worry about I uh, counterintelligence and and um, you know not tipping your hat on as far as what our technology is or what you know we don't always want our enemies to know if we know what their cutting edge secret technology is either. So there are a lot of complicated situations and and scenarios to run through. And that's kind of what Adam and I were mainly talking about is really how complicated all of this gets um, uh, around policy and everything. So yeah, I think there's a lot to be worked out with all of this.
1: Yeah, Um, and you know, drones is, is, I mean, they're getting more and more sophisticated and they're definitely not going away. Um, and yeah, someone just posted a question. I don't know if you caught that.
0: Yeah, that's a great question too. Uh, Mary asks, was wondering if the Space Force is a branch of off of the Air Force transferring some higher ups over. I'm not sure what she meant there or has it been around for a while? Great question. Uh, it has been around for a while. In fact, really, it was the uh, Air Force Space Command um, and Air Force Space Command was created in the 80s. Uh, And for the same reason that the Space Force was created, it actually, even before uh, Trump became president, there was this talk of wanting the Air Force Space Command to be its own branch of the military. Why? Who do we listen to? Who drives everything when it, uh, you know, these big issues? Corporate America, uh, the defense industry, essentially. The United States relies on satellites more than every other country. Our phones, GPS, everything. Uh, We live and die by what satellites are telling us. And all of these corporate... And meanwhile, you've got Russia and China creating anti-satellite weaponry and sharing that information on a regular basis and bragging about it. China blowing up one of its own satellites, which is now somewhat endangered the ISS. That's what the
1: debris.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The debris. That's what uh, people have been talking about is that, hey, we need to pay more attention to defending our satellites and in space. And um, uh, we need a bigger budget. You know, you've got to protect our satellites is what the industry has been saying. The Air Force has been saying we have it under control. We're fine. That's what Air Force Space Command is there for. We've got it all under control. Well, there have been some people, and it has, I think, been mostly Republican push, at least lately, to create this separate branch. That's what finally happened. Um, Trump had the executive order where he made it happen and made created calls it the Space Force, uh, which has been made fun of a lot, but it's essentially the same thing. Their headquarters right where Air Force Space Command headquarters are. The guy, first guy in charge the guy who is in charge of Air Force Space Command. So it's essentially Space Command now having their own branch of the government. And that's what that's related to. And I think we all have to be careful. We got to really think, and that's why it's great to have someone like Adam involved. What are the policy decisions? What are these guys thinking about when they're coming up with these things or, or making these moves? That's what Chris Mellon really has his, his hand on the pulse of this. Or reporters like Brian Bender, who spends a lot of time in DC and, you know, knowing the buzz and has tons of sources out there. So he knows what the buzz is out there going on on all this. People like Tyler Rogaway, who paid attention to defense. You know, uh, some of us think, you know, well, obviously this is to tell us about the aliens and uh, to tell us about Roswell and stuff like that. No, not necessarily at all. It's much, much, much more complicated than that. And uh, there are a lot of other considerations that are going on um, besides all of that sort of thing. So really what the UFO community figures is going on is not even close to really what the main concerns people are thinking of. And even if you do believe those are some of the things that are out there, like a a place where they have, you know, uh, the Roswell craft, or even if you believe Bob Lazar and it's out at Area 51. You still have to consider all of these other bureaucratic and these other political type things, budgetary type things that are going on. And really it's important uh, for all of us who are interested in getting to the answers to have a very strong understanding of these things in order to know where to look and where to really spend our advocacy kind of resources um, to be most effective. Um, So really, I kind of think at this point, For those of us who are interested in getting those answers, we need to wait for this UAP report, which won't come out till next March. Um, And then, uh, you know, along those lines or during that time, also advocate for uh, some sort of scientific investigation of the true unknowns that we don't want to just fill. And this is what, of course, the intelligence community is thinking. The military's, Mellon is kind of addressing, we need to fill this gap. We've got a blind spot when it comes to unidentified objects uh some of these could be technologies from adversaries that we're not paying attention to that's why we need to fill this gap and that's why we need this uap task force and so that's going to be you know that's their selling point not that we need the answers to roswell uh you know that's not really the the main focus that they're selling this stuff with they're just uh so i think that's important for us to remember
1: yeah Um, One of the the questions that has come up on my show in the past and uh, because someone claimed that uh, we have satellite capability to detect things coming in from outer space. And so if that's a possibility, then we should be able to see UFOs. I don't I mean coming in and out and the government would know that type of thing. Have you ever looked into any of that stuff?
0: Well, I mean, we do track everything in, the, in, in space. Everything like the in the space
1: debris and everything. I know yeah. we, we track yeah. that. Yeah. So
0: NASA tracks all of that. NORAD tracks all of that stuff. And um, so, yeah, we should have some capabilities. But it all comes back to what do they do with those? And that's the big question I, I think that we're looking at here. And certainly that is also the question that, Chris Mellon and the two, the stars guys are raising and especially Lou is raising that some of these things that we're observing are not ours. They're technology beyond ours. So what do we do with that? Uh, Mm. We can't just ignore it. Um, John Alexander, you know uh, who keeps, I think, he's been in this for decades. And I think he's been one of the most accurate people when he describes what's going on behind the scenes, because he's also spent a lot of time investigating and looking into that very subject Um, is that there is a lot of, it's a hot potato issue. We don't know what it is. We don't want to know. We don't care. Um, There are instances. And I think um, people like uh, Paul, um, the guy out of Australia, Paul Paul Dean. Dean. Yeah. Yeah. He's seen that, you know, some of these cases have been forwarded to some different scientific organizations. Um, So at least it seems some scientific organizations have secretly looked into these. But to what extent? That's really hard to say. Um, So that's the main point is that, hey, there are things that we don't know what they are. They don't seem to be human. We need to also research those. And that's what Mellon and like Lou are asking for but almost from the premise of that, that does not currently exist and it needs to. Um, but I guess to amend that is, I think they're they're coming from the perspective is that, that does not currently exist as far as we know, and it needs to. Yeah. Um, and that is another thing I asked Elizondo about was UFO crashes. And I asked him specifically to kind of challenge him and, and the ideas that Eric Davis has put forward to clarify his stance and he did and he's not saying he's like there's hearsay and there's a difference between hearsay what we know and what we can prove and we can't prove that there are objects that crash like meteors meteorites that crash on this yeah. planet and that we do have you know discover you know different materials from these these situations um what we need to pay attention to is if we re- find materials that look to be manufactured that we really need to pay attention to those so he kind of clarified that he's not saying he knows that there are any crashes uh but that uh we do need to make sure we're looking for uh any potential um manufactured you know material from elsewhere and i right. think it's a good point that he makes and he's not alone in that i mean there was a seti uh speech not too long ago where th- along those same lines and uh you know there are other science there are scientists who have also made those points
1: now what was uh in the news if anyone's looking at ufo news today um you'll see that there was a russian uh that was up in the international space station that released a video footage of the aurora borealis and then there it shows what's spread across um, the news media as a UFO, but you were saying that it's a Google satellite. Is that what, is that what that was? Al- yeah.
0: Yeah. Those are the Google satellites that they saw from the space station. So, and it's a
1: very, it looks, if you didn't know better, you look at that footage and you'd say that looks like the side, half of a triangle UFO with the light, light spaced you know, perfectly evenly. That's what it looks like when you first see it.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of people, some people are talking about uh, controlling our perceptions uh, in the chat and this sort of thing. I think we have to. um, See, I don't let them trick you to be off the objective, blah, blah, blah. I, I think that, you know, as far as that goes, We have, I always reference Nick Pope. Nick Pope worked for the DOD looking into UFOs. He said, we use spin and dirty tricks. So on the one hand, if the media called and said, hey, what about this UFO case that someone said you're looking into? Uh, He would say, no, we're not looking into little green man uh, out in that area. Media would laugh about it and not take it seriously. You mean the,
1: I just wanna correct you, the MOD.
0: Oh, the MOD, Yeah. correct, in the UK. Um, And that uh, that would throw them off. They wouldn't pay attention. Meanwhile, they really are looking into some of these things. So they would, you know, use some tricks to keep people off the scent so that people wouldn't know that they were taking it seriously. Same thing, I think, could definitely be said here in the United States. Uh, Those of us have been looking into this, and I wrote this whole article about this, how we've been gaslighted for the last few decades by the government regarding UFOs, where you know, we're like, Hey, there's some serious cases here. And they're like, Oh, this is silly. We, we haven't taken this seriously since 1969. They were wrong. They were lying. That Mm -hmm. wasn't true at all. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of how that works. Um, so I wouldn't really look into it as, uh, deeply as, uh, um, as, you know, some kind of big mind control thing, but, Uh, I would also say, and I did bring this up with Luis Elizondo, too, is that what about disinformation? Um, They brought that up in one of the episodes of Unidentified. And I think that's one area where the UFO community has been very uh, lax um, and kind of had their own blind spot. Uh, You know, one of the things I argue, and I know I harp on this over and over again, is this Richard Doty situation where this guy was in the Air Force Office of Special Investigations and admits to putting out disinformation. Yet we don't pay attention to that. Not only that, a lot of the major UFO researchers, you know, will reference the type of crap he was putting out and say, "Oh, it with could Dulcy be underground,
1: real." Dolce underground bases. Look at the Right. Look at the teeth that had. There's, and there's- then when you
0: question them and say, "Well, what we when, this guy admitted it was disinformation." And they say, "Well, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater." You know, some of it's got to be true. Good disinformation is partially true. But the true parts are not the parts that you're looking for. For one, you know, they're not related. The truth parts are not going to be related to any secrets where you can actually figure something out. That's the first part. The second part is you're believing it whole cloth. If some of it, if only a portion of it is true, you are buying all of it. So, which part is the disinformation? If you're buying all of it, um, that doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. Yeah. So, I think that's another area that we really need to look into is what areas of diff- where there have been disinformation, and we know that you know um, there's a recent interview uh, with uh, George Knapp and TD Barnes. Uh, I think this, there's an interview on. Well, it was on Unidentified as well. Uh, he was on there. He's a the guy who worked at Area 51. Um, and so we do know that Area 51 they encouraged and they liked they they talked about how it was advantageous to them when people would report the things they worked on, such as a U two or the SR seventy one or uh the stealth fighters or bombers, stealth, you know, aircraft, when they were reported as UFOs, that actually helped them. And so they weren't opposed to that. They kind of like that. Yeah.
1: That was a good, uh, good shield for them to keep that secret.
0: Yeah. So that's the kind of thing which we really need to figure out how much of that happened. Um, what was done and, uh, to make sure that we're not, you know, going off on these wild goose chases. Um, so I don't know. It's one of, to be honest, it's one of the reasons I was a little bit disappointed with the UFO field after, you know, Elizondo had come out and everything is that uh, just, you know, nobody, we were given this gift essentially of uh, this major breakthrough, this maybe the largest breakthrough in the history of this topic. And instead of really examining the, the meat and the details of what happened, how this works, how it will affect government. A lot of the things I was talking about with Adam Kehoe uh, or Chris Mellon or was Elizondo it instead of paying attention to those places where we can insert ourselves and, you know, get in there and, and really figure out what's going on and also prod and hopefully dislodge even more information. uh, You know, lots of the UFO community just doubled down on their uh, dubious worldviews that they had established before any of this. And Mm -hmm. how can I fit what they're saying into What I've sold my audience, or or what I I've got here, and I unfortunately, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, and that doesn't really get us anywhere, and it's really frustrating. Yeah. Um. (laughs) 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 But no respect,
1: Simone says no respect at all.
0: No respect. Yeah. Oh no, she says I disrespect or or disrespect. Oh, I see. That was the
1: continuation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I'm not sure what she wasn't disrespecting. We'd have to go up and read all of this. Yeah. But uh,
1: yeah. Well, like- I, I like I like what Jeff uh, Perry uh, wrote. The upside okay. in this is that uh, there are just some disinfo ops. They will leave a paper trail, a classified one. You know, maybe someday that will. That's a great
0: point. Yes, Jeff. That's a great point. Um, That's why I FOIA'd the whole Doty situation and why I've got one of, I wasn't the first to get this information, but I was the first to FOIA it directly um, because it, in my estimation, the uh, military had sent some Doty information out to a couple other researchers that weren't even really looking for it. And because I think they're trying to get out, Hey, here's what, our side of the story is if anybody cares, <laughs> nobody did uh, until I came along. So I mean, uh, and, and who knows, you, people may say, well, it could be a spin and it could be, but uh, at least what they did provide me were some official reports. And you can see at least uh, get some insight into what was going on back there. But you're right. Uh, these are the type of things that we really need to pursue to get those sort of documents to figure it all out. So Jeff, I think you're exactly right that we're I think a lot of the speculation comes because we feel like we're completely impotent in our ability to do anything about any of this or to get information, but we're not, Um, you know, John Greenwald is a great example of all the documents he gets, uh, but, uh, and others, I mean, look at all this stuff. George Knapp has been leaking out Uh, these documents. If, if it wasn't for George Knapp, you know, he's provided maybe 9%, 90%, a lot of these documents that, give us insight into atip and what was going on there and in, in nimitz so thank goodness for that so we're and not Paul
1: dean all the way in australia
0: yeah and paul yes. dean in australia and his colleague who's the other guy out there he works with keith basterfield i oh, mean yeah. those guys are getting tons of information and out of mm-hmm. australia roger glassell in sweden is getting a ton of information out name, yeah. so Huh. So, yeah, it, it's doable. We just all got to focus. And, you know, uh, I think John Alexander always says this, that the CIA, the whoever, they don't really need to do anything to get us off track in the UFO field because we we're do it good plenty. enough to do it very, ourselves. I mean, I, I would say 95 percent, if not 99 percent of the UFO field is off chasing their tails or chasing these wild goose stories that they've created there on their own, just fabricated out of people's fantasies, as opposed to pursuing some of this stuff. So I think we're distracting ourselves more than anybody in the CIA would (laughs) distract us in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're a good tool just being ourselves.
0: So I'm trying to read some of the comments to comment with people, but they're going so fast. Really people have a lot of uh, feelings about all of this, which I'm not too surprised. Yeah, Jeff makes a really good point that even if there is a careerist faction that wants to obscure, they're not a cartoon bad guy with absolute power. They operate within a bureaucracy, and you know, and they're not also um, complete. I don't want to say that they're they're not perfect. They're human, just like the rest of us, and they make mistakes just like the rest of us. Um, you know, we see these mistakes that are done on a regular basis comes back to what John Alexander said. Uh, On the one hand, we think they're all incompetent. On the other, we think they're genius, super geniuses and hiding information. Um, They're not. They're all regular people. So, I mean, we do have a lot more uh, ability than I think that we give ourselves credit for to get answers and to make things move. And I guess we just have to get on board on what we want to do. Really, what do I want? I want a scientific organization kind of like the SCU, but uh, on steroids, the scientific coalition for UAP research uh, to uh, exist that we have a UFO study type of group where we have this scientific investigation of these unknowns and uh, try to figure it out. And uh, cause I think there's some really,
1: really interesting stuff that we can get out of that. And more and more, um, Serious people are taking it serious. So I think we're heading in the right direction.
0: Seriously,
1: Yeah. (laughs) I forgot to add that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So what is is there any other topics, any other comments you saw you wanted to
1: talk about? No. I don't see anyone. Uh, Well, one just came in that looks kind of interesting already. Oh, I already saw one too. Go for it. Oh, well, uh, uh, Jeff says the government is a big place. There exists extreme competence on all sides of the issue. And there exists a lot of incompetence on all sides of the issue. Right. Kind of pretty much says it all. Yeah. yep.
0: Oh, and Dirk is saying bring Rich Hoffman back on. Okay. Yeah, I should. Yeah, uh, Rich is going I to bring some of the SCU guys back on. Uh, yeah. I've just been really wanting to tackle some of these really important policy issues. And of course, gotten these interviews with uh, like Mellon and Lou uh, and also Anthony Lapp, I wanted to, you know, talk to all these guys firsthand. Um, but so I we, think this is a good point, too. Andy says, no one can control when or where the aliens choose to show themselves. You yeah. know, uh, there is, if there is a third party, I'm saying if, because we don't know that for certain. I don't think, uh, I think we have strong, we've got very interesting evidence to, to point to something but certainly, uh, Elizondo and melon are of the belief that we have uh, intelligently controlled technology beyond our own that's out there. Um, that implies there is a third party involved. And we, we can't forget that. This third party, um, if it exists, obviously does not want to be known. Um, yeah. It's keeping itself secretly and not letting you know the whole entire populace know about it if they are at that secretive then certainly they can also keep evidence from our government and keep secret from from them as well um so even though the government may have norad may have dozens of cases where they've tracked these things zip around thousands. <laughs> maybe thousands maybe thousands mm. maybe hundreds of thousands of yeah. these cases going back to what we we're saying it doesn't mean that it necessarily brings them that much closer um, according to Eric Davis, what he told me was that, you know, we did have a uh, UFO crash project that uh, we uh, that we canceled in 1986 because we couldn't make heads or tails of the craft that we retrieved. Um, so, uh, so we stopped trying and put it away in the in a. Uh, Indiana Jones type of storage warehouse and we go visit it once in a while to see if we can figure it out. So, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, the point being that uh, just because they have more data doesn't mean they have all the answers. So uh, we can't make assumptions about all of this stuff. We just got to keep trodden along. And uh, where we are right now is astronomically further than we were before. And it's just really wild to think that, uh, you know, if Luis Elizondo wouldn't have come forward, we probably wouldn't be here at all. Even if uh, To The Stars was created without Lou, with all that same group of guys, that same group of guys has been around trying to do something for a long time. Yeah. You know, Davis and Hal have been working with, with Bigelow. Mellon even worked with that group UFO Data that was going to try to create a group to, right. to obtain yeah. UFO data. Really, most of that has, has you know, I I would argue Bigelow has gotten the furthest out of anybody else. But without Elizondo being in the mix there to really give us insight into what was going on in the background, um, we might, you know, we wouldn't be where we are right now where UFOs are a serious topic and the Senate Intelligence Committee is asking for
1: reports. Yeah. Pretty wild, and, uh, Martin. It, it's not 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 an embarrassing topic to talk about. I was um, I was at a an art fair displaying my paintings last Saturday, and um, a guy came there and he's he's looking at my paintings and we're talking and and all of a sudden he goes, "I thought I recognized your voice, <laughs> <A> listener <laughs> to the show." Uh, it's such a small world, but it's not like I wasn't like hiding the fact yeah, you know, it was a show, we were talking UFOs and all these people around all over the place. And it's like the first time since I've been doing this that I'm not really concerned about it. I don't really care if I say, you know, I'm doing a show on UFOs out loud in a, in a mixed company, in mixed company.
0: It's funny you say that. Cause I feel a lot more comfortable too. So for instance, uh, I just started doing mortgages. So call me if you're in in uh, Arizona or California and <laughs> you need a home mortgage or refinance, the rates are at their all, an all time low. sure are, wow. But yeah. uh, my point being that I, I was talking to a group of realtors. Now these are ones that I worked with in Arizona. So I do know a, half the group very, very well. But I did not feel as worried to say that, you know, uh, one of the things I'm very well known for is writing about UFOs. Uh, I do feel like, uh, you know, when the media is talking about it, uh, so much that, yeah, we don't have to feel as, uh, shy about it as we used to. Uh, But when you do your paintings, when you put your painting on, do you put your UFO paintings up there too?
1: I haven't. I haven't. Mm. Yeah. I I I just did one, um, uh, that I thought it came out pretty good, but, um, yeah, I like Um, the triangle one. Yeah. The triangle one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah.
1: I don't have it right here. Otherwise, I'd grab it. But
0: yeah. And then finally, Jeff is saying, I've met Dr. Putoff. He's kind, wise, and highly educated. And I would definitely agree with that. Putoff is very patient, uh, comes across as a very wise and intelligent person. And, yeah. you know, when it comes to the whole group, though, uh, I, I keep saying this this isn't a story just about Elizondo. Elizondo is certainly a big part of that. But the whole Bigelow group, you know, Davis, Putoff, Uh, Alexander Knapp, um, Colm Kellehar, Bigelow's main scientist, uh, and so many others, uh, they have been trying to bring uh, credibility to very many paranormal topics uh, scientifically for decades now. And uh, they're a major part of all of this story. Uh, They've been out there fighting for, for decades. So when Elizondo says, you know, this is a a, a group thing that uh, we're all doing this in this together. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are a lot. He of said people. that quite a, quite a few times.
1: Yep. And that was his interview. first
0: tweet. Hmm. Yeah, he did say that quite and a And he bit congratulated
1: interview. the UFO community a number of times.
0: Yes, he You know, did. if it wasn't
1: for you people out there and your interests, we wouldn't have got this far. You know, right. so uh, I thought that was uh, pretty good of him to do that.
0: Yeah, that was good. So Mary's saying, uh, and we'll wrap it up here, but uh, Mary is saying, I wish Dr. Putoff would talk more on Unidentified. That would he be nice. He doesn't too much, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't too much, but uh, and he never does on any show, uh, but that one documentary, Third Eye, Third Eye Spies, I think hmm. it's called, and uh, it's a recent documentary about the remote viewing, and it's got a lot of how put off in there it's the most i've ever seen him talk so Hmm. third eye spies i would highly recommend people go look at that if you're if you're a how put off fan yeah all right anything else what did you got anything uh who did you and do you have anything uh, going on with podcast ufo or no
1: well i have uh (laughs) i don't know if anyone out there caught the netflix berkshires uh, um berkshires ufo I thought it was great. Um, I've I heard re- that. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I rarely, really, really watch something more than one time. And I, I got to admit, this is kind of crazy. I've watched it three times. And it's that good. And uh, I, I do have Tom Warner. Um, he's the artist in that. And he's basically the only person that an eyewitness saw vanish in a beam coming down from a UFO. UFO. And, and she's in that she describes what she saw. Um, She's in that uh, episode, but it's a great, it's a great episode. I hope, hope a lot of people get to watch that. Yeah. I've still got to go check that out. Yeah. You will like it.
0: All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining. Please, please do uh, go check out my interviews. Uh, The Rojas report of course is a subscriber service, but you can get in as low as a dollar 50. And in fact, if you're not aware of this, you can join right here on YouTube. So you'll see a join button on YouTube. Click that and you'll see the the different levels where you can watch the archives and or uh, join us live when we do interviews. Now, most of the live interviews have been kind of midday, so I apologize for that. And I really apologize for, see, this is why I used to do my show recorded all of the time because you never know when the person you want to interview is going to be available. And when you have people like Chris Mellon or Luis Elizondo who are extremely busy and you're going to get them when you get them, um, you know, uh, I've got, you know, last minute notice that I can let you guys know to get in there and join us for the interview. So I do apologize for that. Uh, just keep your eye on it because you do get messaged and you can get messaged by YouTube or Patreon, whichever one you're on, to let you know. Uh, when there's a posting and I do let people know as much, give them as much time as I can. So you can come join us live and I would rather, you know, do it that way. So you have the opportunity to join us live uh, if you can, because it's fun to have people come in with their questions and comments. Yeah. Uh, and we did have a few people, even though it was such short notice that we able to come in and uh, on the Elizondo interview as well. So, so yeah, check that out. Otherwise also check out Martin Willis on UFO, Podcast. Have a great weekend. Let's and say hi to Heidi Gat. Heidi. Hey, look. Hi, Heidi. Heidi Ho. Yeah. Hey, Heidi. Okay. I don't know why I like doing it. I feel like putting my arms in there. You can't. Heidi even Ho see it.
1: Heidi Hi. Heidi Ho. Yeah.
0: So uh yeah, thanks everybody for joining us once again. Check out Podcast UFO, check out openminds.tv for the latest and greatest. And Speaking of Heidi, she helped us out with the International UFO Congress a couple times. We've got the International UFO Congress coming up. <laughs> Copycat. Um, and so go to ufocongress.com and register right now. Um, you'll notice that was not put in the form of a question, but a command. <laughs> go to ufocongress.com right now and register stat. So uh, thank you, Martin. You're
1: welcome. Lots of fun.
0: Thank you all for joining us. And until next time, adios, muchachos. muchachos.
1: Good job, I think,
0: kind of. Maybe.